From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. When a loved one requires long-term care, the transition into long-term care is not always smooth. Here to offer some advice is a member of the College of Nursing faculty at Upstate, Dr. Helen Clancy. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Um, Now, you've been a nurse for almost 50 years, and you've got 12 years' experience as a nursing home administrator, so you've got lots of experience helping to ease someone out of their home and into long-term care. Is it always difficult? I can't say it's always difficult because every person's uh, scenario is a little bit different. But it is a a very complex decision because families, um, no matter how much they love their senior member or whoever they're placing, they don't have the knowledge, skills, or strength to care for them. People need nursing homes based on late lost ADLs or activities of daily living, and that is toileting, eating, and bed mobility. And you can feed your loved ones, turn your loved ones, but there's still some complex medical care issues that really need to be addressed at a higher level of care. And that's when the the nursing home becomes a lot of people's last choice, an expensive last choice. So um, it's difficult for families to see their, um, their inheritance be given to a nursing home versus taking care of mom and dad at home. So it is a, it's a complex emotional moment. And then you want to be able to manage emotions and expectations at that transition as best you can for both the resident, the family, and your staff. So it's much more than just a change of address. Correct. From the home to the, to the nursing home. Correct. So, um, what about for the patient? Uh, loss of independence, uh, big change in terms of how they lived, right? Right. And nursing homes try as much as possible to accommodate the customary and routine that the patient had prior to um, placement. But because it is kind of under the umbrella of an institution, you have so many slots to give uh, showers on a Saturday night or baths on a uh, uh, Sunday morning that there is some adjustment and understanding for all involved. Um, and a lot of times patients or, or residents are placed in nursing homes because they have cognitive impairment. And um, it's going to be a while before they get adjusted and their anxiety level um, becomes um, less noticeable in a nursing home. But we encourage families to, to will help you get through that process and once mom or dad or your family member is settled in a long-term care, um, taking them out for like Christmas or taking them out for holidays is just upsetting their routine. And um, we've done studies where you can monitor their blood pressures and heart rates, and it takes probably two weeks for them to come back to their uh, to their normal after they've had an outing. So, But families don't understand that at first, which I can understand. It's hard to, to manage. And mom, it's always been at a Christmas table for, you know, she had the Christmas table. Now you're telling me I shouldn't take her. And we're not telling you that, but we want to share stories and have you talk to other family members who went through the same experience. So you can make your decisions, which we will support with the best knowledge possible. Well, it seems like this is difficult if you've never done it before. And Every person that comes to this is, is Has new, never right? done it before. Yeah. Well, what are some of the common... I'm, I'm imagining that you'll encounter people who don't want to leave their home. That, Correct. Right? Correct. So what? how do you get around that? <clears throat> well, we try to have as many items in their room from their home that, that can uh, facilitate that feeling of homeliness, like 
blankets or uh, comforters or pillows or pictures. I encourage my families to make a remembrance book. So when they're get, go, getting a homesick or some angst, the staff can sit and walk through the remembrance book. Um, I, at the facility I work, we had bio boards outside their rooms that kind of gave pictures of what type of work they did in their life. Um, so the aide could walk in, look, oh, she's a teacher, and start talking about teaching. Uh, so we got to know the, the resident and the family at a little deeper level. Like She had 20 grandchildren. Um, so there was... Um, conversations that would make the uh, the resident immediately feel that they were known to the staff. And the families would feel that the resident was known to the staff to help that transition. Now, you mentioned um, the ADLs, the activities uh -huh. of daily living. I was going to ask how you know when it's time for a nursing home. Is it all based on that? Well, there's, um, there's a, an assessment form called the PRI, Patient Review Instrument, and usually nursing homes require um, prospective residents to have one done. And there's certainly certain levels how you score. And once you score, it's, it's PC5. That means you need um, a nursing home level of care. And nowadays, many patients are in, in senior living places or even in home care. If you're under an agency that's regulated by New York State, they will constantly look to see if you're in the proper and safe level of care. And it's difficult sometimes for families to understand, why am I being told I have to move from my assisted living facility, which seems very, very nice, and my mother loves it, to a higher level of care? I don't understand this. But um, the assessment instrument has a, a lot of research behind it, and it really focuses on those late loss ADLs that the assisted living facility is not staffed or doesn't have the resources to handle. And sometimes I find those are some of the most um, difficult transitions because the family's not really on board. Or if you're in home care, the home care agency might recommend a PRI to be done because they feel the, the, the patient or the, the client is exceeding their care standards or their care capabilities. And then discussions with families about moving to a higher level of care was, will start. So um, as I say, there's many different scenarios. Everybody has a different one. And you want to select a facility that will, that will meet you where you're at and help you transition, not only you, but also the, the resident, and also help you get to know the staff. Because um, where I was, our, um, our care structure was based on relationships because people define themselves in relationships. And relationships have many um, um, elements to them. And one is belonging, one is security, one is continuity. So if you can get the family involved in those type of feelings, the family will certainly help you um, and the resident adjust to the new surroundings. Well, I've got a lot of questions to go, but uh, this is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Dr. Helen Clancy from Upstate's College of Nursing about easing the transition into long-term care. So tell me what is a, a care bundle? A care bundle, they were, just, um, they were written about back in 2001 at the beginning. Um, they were developed by um, the Institute for Healthcare Improvement out of uh, Boston and Voluntary um, Hospital Association, which is the largest consortium of hospitals in the country. And they were looking at um, care um, tasks, which were high cost and risk. Evolved. And the first ones were developed um, in the intensive care units for patients that were intubated to see what they could do to prevent uh, pneumonias. 
And a care bundle consists of like three to five elements that if performed 95% of the time will lead to better outcomes. But the elements have got to be evidence-based and the care team providing the, the, the care bundle has to believe in the elements. So um, there's been many care bundles established in, in uh, healthcare since 2001. Um, when I was looking at the problems associated with admissions and transitions, I, I said, well, first we have to stabilize the process because you can't have variation in care delivery with, and still have positive outcomes. So we really did a, a search of the literature, and we found that there's certain elements we can in, put into a care bundle that will bring the patient, family, and staff into a better level of communication and understanding. And the care bundle we developed had um, four elements. One was um, talking with the family because we, um, about what they wanted us to know about their resident. We do an intake on a, a, on a form, a, a, a MDS, minimum data sets, that talks about customary and routine that your loved ones did prior to admission. But when you talk to the family, you get so much more input. And also, it kind of plants the seed that Nobody knows that resident better than the family or the significant other. So the family really starts to want to work with you. The second is um, we, we have a care um, family conference within the first two weeks because it's confusing for the family, it's confusing for the resident, and, and the staff doesn't really know everybody's playing part yet. So you have it right on the unit with the nurse manager, the LPN, and the aide that's assigned. Um, when we get into talking about what do you look for in a nursing home, you want consistent staffing because those people caring for your loved ones will become part of your family. So, um, so you start having an informal conversation um, and um, develop a relationship. And um, from there, you in, um, by regulation, you have to have care plan meetings every quarter with a resident, about a resident, or at any time there's a change in a resident's condition, and you have to invite the family at least annually. Well, we invited the family every time we had a care conference. Okay. So, um, and sometimes they said no, sometimes they, they said yes, but it kept that continuity going and that conversation, and it got to, to really form a relationship rather than, okay, I'm the care provider, you're the family, and uh, I know what's best for your, your mom or dad. So that type of um, relationship never existed. We, we started together and we continued together. And I think families and residents and staff really appreciated it much better. There wasn't the, uh, the anxiety or the questioning. We got to explain things in a matter of what they could expect rather than trying to explain it when an incident happened um, and there was so many much emotion involved. So it, it turned out to be uh, good for all parties involved. It sounds like kind of a formalized plan so that everyone knows what to expect right. and, and what's going to mm -hmm. happen, that sort of thing. And, and every place wants to do that. But unless you have a leadership that wants that really makes sure these things happen, right. and unless you really take time and plan for them, it just doesn't happen. So that brings me to my next question. What can you offer about um, advice for selecting a long-term care facility? You mentioned consistent, consistent staffing. Right. Are there other things? That <clears throat> the research shows, whether in the hospital or whether in uh, any health care uh, organization or facility, having consistent staff leads to better outcomes. So one of the questions you should certainly ask in, um, as you gather information about what nursing home to s select it is, is there consistent staffing? 
And um, many times people have to go to a nursing home because the bed's available. But that doesn't mean it's the end of the road. You can certainly look at other nursing homes while your family member is in one nursing home and, and, and um, ask to make a change if you choose to. But consistent staffing. And I would say visit, um, stop and, and, and ask for a little walkthrough or visit uh, without a reservation. So, you know, they're not all prepped and, and you know, acting perfectly because they know uh, a prospective resident's family is going to make rounds. Um, so if you do, like, do a tour mm -hmm. of sorts, what sorts of things should you look for? Well, certainly look for the mood of the staff, eye contact, um, if, if staff is interacting with the residents, um, and if the residents look clean and happy. You know, we have the STAR um, reporting mechanism through uh, CMS, the federal agency that funds nursing home care. And, you know, some, um, sometimes a nursing facility can be very good and have a low um, star rating. So you, that should be one ingredient in your decision-making process. But, but not just not, everything. Just yeah, not everything. everything. You know, follow your gut feeling. When you walk through a nursing home, what do you feel? You know, your institution, your um, your gut feeling or intuition is tells you a lot, so listen to it. Um, but uh, you know, ask uh, staffing ratio. It's how many res residents does an aide have to care for on each of the shifts? Um, and sometimes that's again just one element in decision making. Um, the more experienced aides you have, they probably can take care of a, a, a larger number of residents. But you might want to say, ask about their turnover rate. Ask about if they use staffing agencies um, because, as I said, one of the big indications of quality care is having continuous staffing. And if you're using a staffing agency all the time, then that, you know, you have a lot of, um, what do I say, uh, unplanned staffing changes, and that does not lead to quality. Well, that's some good advice. I appreciate you being here. Thanks for sharing it. My guest has been Dr. Helen Clancy from Upstate's College of Nursing. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.